Welcome back to Challenge the Call with Max and Avery. I'm your host, Max. And I'm Avery. How are you guys? All right. So, coming at you with another episode today. Um, Avery, how's it going? feel like it's been a little while. Yeah, it's going good, man. I uh, just got off work, ready to roll. And, uh, yeah, uh, it's, been a good, it's been a good week so far. How's, how's your week going? My week's not too bad. Um, looking forward to the weekend. Actually going to uh, Charlotte, North Carolina for a coaching convention this weekend. So that's a first time thing for me. I think that's kind of exciting. I'm excited to be there and kind of see how it goes. Yeah. So uh, is that just something that popped up or yeah, are you I, excited? The like, coaches asked you? me about it in the meeting. Like, are you going to the convention? I was like, what convention? What's going on? And one of the coaches was like, you should go. I was like, okay, yeah, I'll go. <laughs> and yeah, so I'll, I'm going to go check it out. It'll be a good time, kind of. I think you just meet with a bunch of other coaches. You meet with some different, like, equipment companies and, like, performance whatever people. There are different booths all over the place. But it's a whole, not even just the weekend. It's, like, Saturday through Tuesday or something. Just stuff going on every day, all day. So it, it'll be a fun-packed weekend for sure. Yeah, man, that sounds exciting. It sounds really fun. All right, but we'll get this episode started as we normally do with our uh, NFL segment here. So we'll give you guys a little NFL update. Yeah, so one game I want to talk about with the update and everything is um, a game that everybody had circled on their calendar, and it was going to be one of the mo- like most anticipated games of the season and it was the Bengals and bills and then life happened life happened uh damar hamlin um and what happened on the field it made this much anticipated game so irrelevant and football was irrelevant because when an injury like that happens and you got to sit back and it makes you think about life it was crazy just watching it happen because it's one of those things where it didn't look bad. It looked like the hit was so normal and casual. It wasn't even two two people coming together. It was just like they were both mo- momentum moving kind of the same way, just kind of fell over, and he stood up just normal, just like everything else. But two seconds after standing up, stumble, fought. That's the terrifying part. Just, I think the watching him go from straight to the feet, all normal, to going down to the ground. That's what's eerily, like, frightening about what we saw. Not necessarily the hit itself, but just that straight from great to, holy crap, this guy is on the ground with a heart attack. Yeah, and a lot of people at first, you know, they thought it was, like, you know, neuro, like a concussion. Because sometimes, you know, that happens. Um but and then when reports are coming out that you know he they're doing CPR on the field, and then more reports are coming out that he went in cardiac arrest, and it's just one of the most scary things about football that people don't realize. Like football is a very dangerous sport, and that, the CPR is what solidified it for me. The minute the announcers were talking about like, and now they're performing CPR, they've been performing CPR for several minutes. That's when it really struck me as oh shit, this is like serious, like CPR is life or death situation. I know the announcers during the game talked about it plenty, like you see injuries all the time, concussions, broken bones, whatever, it takes a while sometimes, but the minute they start performing CPR, this isn't an injury anymore, this is life or death, and that is absurd. Yeah, uh, and going on with that, like you mentioned, like you see those injuries all the time, torn ACLs, you see concussions. Like we've talked about player safety all year, especially with Tua Tagalova. Like and like the three concussions he had, this is so much more serious. And like, yeah, I you know, and I don't think the NFL like they gave they said okay we'll start the game up the officiating we'll start the game up in 5 minutes i don't know if you caught that on the broadcast yeah. and i was like there's no way they're starting this game up in 5 minutes they're still going to be on the field performing cpr in 5 yeah. minutes the, 
the minute I heard CPR, I was like, this game's not happening. The, the right. minute CPR was even in the talks, I was like, this game's over, it's not happening, it's getting rescheduled, whatever. As far as the whole five-minute thing goes, like, I don't know if there was miscommunications around. Like, there's no way that that was just, uh, you know, decision. Like, oh, they're doing CPR right now. Yeah, everyone's got five minutes to warm up and we'll be back at. That had to have been some sort of miscommunication somewhere. No one, no one understanding the situation and what was going on, like, got together and made that decision. I don't know where that actually came from. I agree. And, you know, one thing is, too, with this situation and everything that happens, um, mad respect to Zach Taylor and the Cincinnati Bengals head coach and Sean McDermott. Because I know a report came out that, and it was in Sean McDermott's press conference about this, uh, the Bills Buffalo head coach. And um, he stated that I can't play this, I can't coach this game. I got to be at the hospital with DeMar. And there were multiple players that grown men, like grown offensive linemen, Josh Allen looked shook out of his mind. There was multiple times that, like, there's no way no one's in the right mental capacity to play a football game. And let alone should they be playing a football game. No, like, that's a, the NFL is a brotherhood. Like, I was in the military. And military, you know, we got brothers. And, like, it's just something like close-knit coaching, probably. You would classify some of those guys as brothers because like you're with them long hours of the day and football's brotherhood and when you see a family member i've been through this personal life like you see something like that happen to a family member it's traumatizing and even higgins was in the hot like was in the hospital with him for hours i forget how like staying the night there and everything like even higgins on digs yeah, it, you know, and like mad respect to both coaching staffs, mad respect and a shout out to healthcare workers, man. Uh, the team doctor, everybody that performed CPR, everybody the that Bills, pulled the Bills athletic training assistant. I, it was the Bills athletic training assistant. He was the guy that really stepped up and was like, he, um, I think was the one that first initiated CPR, the one that first recognized it was uh, needed and everything at the time. So I know everyone's been shouting out to that guy. Like he, he was on top of his game. He was ready to go and he, he saved his life straight yeah. up. He saved Demar's life. Yep. And like, that's the thing. Like I know my wife, she's healthcare and mad respect, mad respect to like, everybody in the healthcare industry and everybody that has to jump to that and on a daily basis. And there's some reports coming out that De uh, DeMar is awake um, and that, you know, he's at 50% lung capacity at this moment. And so I hope it he just keeps getting uh, better and better. If you believe in God, pray. If you don't, you know, just send thoughts and pray, uh, send thoughts because that's terrifying. And then it starts yeah. – for it to be this long after two is a little bit worrisome because, you know, some people, I know it's happened for, like, have a heart attack, whatever, blah, 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 give it a day or two. Like, they're pretty much up and decently good. Yeah, they have some, like, recovering to do, like, cardiovascular-wise and whatnot, but he still has not left the hospital. Like, no. that's an issue. That's, so, he still has a lot of recovering to do. Definitely needs thoughts and prayers. He's got a long way to go from what it see like he's not out of the woods yet no very much still critical condition um but yeah it's just you know and it starts making you question i have a son and i know my wife and i we were talking about this at what point do you say football's too dangerous i mean as much as we love football and like it's a big part of both of our lives like at what point like if you have a kid and like you're like I don't know if I want them to be playing that sport. And I know we're a football podcast, but, you know, I'm just bringing a little real honesty in that because that was a terrifying situation. Yeah, and it it was one of those things that just – it was a very kind of freak thing. I know they've said if the hit would have – it was just the time of his heart's rhythm based on the exact spot, strength, everything of the hit, like – so many factors came together, just the perfect intersection to have caused this uh, 
injury or whatever you want to call it, heart attack to occur. I've heard if it was even just a millisecond later, like if the contact happened a millisecond later, this wouldn't have happened. So right. it's one, yeah, it's scary and it's one of those things. But I guess to me in my head, for when I have a son and if he wants to play football, I'm obviously not going to force him to or not to. It's up to him. He can do what he wants. I played football. I'm not going to say he can't. But we are talking about one freak accident, one player. Like, there's a reason this is such – no one knows what to do. There's a reason this has never in the history of football happened before. Like, this isn't a regular occurrence thing. Obviously, there's always risks to sports, to life, to anything. Every day you step in the car, you know, you're putting yourself at risk of a car accident, whether you be at fault, someone else is at fault, regardless. Whether you're making a tackle, you're getting tackled, like, that's just life. Life yeah. happens. You're at risk all the time. If football is truly what you or the kid, I would say, like in a high school instance, whatever, like if that's what they love to do and that's what they want to do, like don't keep them from do it. what you love. Don't let a one in a million chance of like, I could get hit in the chest at the exact right time and have a heart attack. Right. Stop you from doing something that you're well, passionate about. And you know, like, you know, and I know I brought it up, but like, at the same time, you know, I go back and forth. Like, of course, like I played football, you played football, and we've sh we've turned out fine, uh, and so has million other people. Um, one thing uh, back and forth though is, you know, this can happen in any sport. You could take a line drive to the chest, and it could stop your heart. In baseball, you could take an elbow in basketball because you're running up and down the court. Uh, it can happen in any sport. So, like, at the end of the day, like, yeah, and I mean, I know I brought it up, but, like, yeah, I mean, I see your side of it, too. I see your perspective. So, uh, but, yeah, it was just a scary situation. A little more about this game is they're not rescheduling it. Yeah, uh, that's going to be very, today. very, they, that's gonna be very, very interesting. So, moving on from this specific his injury and everything prayers and thoughts be with him but we'll try to continue on with a bit of a lighter note but yeah they're not replaying this game and so for that playoff picture it's a little interesting uh, have you heard have you heard some of the what they're thinking about doing for the yeah so i <laughs> i saw a couple of proposals that the nfl are tossing around one they're talking about expanding the playoffs for this year only to eight teams in both yeah. divisions and both so, divisions or just yes. the AFC? Because I, I heard I, it was just the AFC that they were going to eight. I saw AFC and NFC. So I don't know, you know, it, it's very interesting, touch and go. I also saw the AFC is going to be at a neutral site. So there will be no yep. home field advantage, which makes sense because like, and you know, if the Bills and the Bengals don't make it and say it's the Chiefs and the Chargers or something random, none of this matters. Well, besides, yeah. you know, like, in that perspective of the seating, of course, you know, thoughts and prayers to Hamlin, but, um, yeah, none of it matters at that point, but if it's those two teams, yeah, I think it does need to be at a neutral site. I think that's the there's, smartest idea they could do. There's some hit or misses with that. I know I've heard, um, like one of the other coaches today kind of talking about with the whole neutral site thing, like you're saying, if it comes down to being like the chiefs and the Jaguars or something, neutral site like the uh, that should be a chief's home site you know yeah. like they've earned that they've whatever if it's coming to chief's bangles or chief's bills that's where you've got to question more like okay yeah this should be neutral we didn't get that last week game or second to last week whatever game to determine that kind of seeding and stuff but yeah if you're talking like the one seed against one of the bottom two or three seeds, I think the one, sh one two, or three seed should still kind of, you know, they've earned their home field advantage in that sure. game. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. And then there's a couple other proposals that they'll go with the winning percentage for the yep. first time. And Just straight up, straight up not playing uh a week eight or a week 18 game and everything yep. and just going straight off percentages i've heard that too and you know that would be interesting because not even the four uh like teams that won the division 
would either be the four teams, like the four first seeds. So, like, yeah. that'd be so interesting because, like, if you think about it and you look at our power rank or not power rankings, but uh, the playoffs right now, you know, it would be the Chiefs, Bills, Bengals, then Chargers instead of the Jaguars. And yep. so that would uh, cheap uh, the Jaguars out of a home playoff game. But in a way, you know, the Chargers or the Ravens, they deserve it a little bit more. Would the Jaguars still even be in it? Because it, it's hard to say because they're 8-8 eight and eight, as well as the Patriots, the Dolphins, who are not in currently, and the Steelers, who are not in currently. So, yeah, so that would be different. That would be very different. Uh, you know, if, of course, if the Jags win this week, they would be because they would finish 9-8 and eight against the Titans. But, yeah, you're right. What like, if, What if the Patriots and the Dolphins and the Steelers also went 9-8? and eight Because, I mean, Patriots I, probably won't. They play the Bills. But Dolphins play the Jets. Steelers play the Browns. Both winnable games for those teams. They could easily be 9-8 and eight as well. Yeah, I you know, I think you kind of got to give it to, like, there's got to be some type of tiebreaker to the Jaguars if they win this week. Uh, because then it's like, okay, well, you did win your division. Technically, we're going to put you over the Steelers that are 9-8. and eight Because, you know, you guys deserve it. Yeah, you won't have a home playoff team or a playoff game. But at least you'll still be in. And so I could see that. But, yeah, you know, if they go if they go out and they lose to the Titans and they're 8-9, and nine, and the Steelers and the Dolphins win, there's potential there that they still get in. And that would be insane because that would revolutionize the playoffs for the first time ever because, like, there would be no more seven and nine teams or seven and, yeah. or eight well, and nine teams or nine and eight teams and, anymore at that point. And when you look at that, like, if you're going off straight percentages and you're not having, like, a divisional winner and stuff, if the Titans do beat the Jaguars – no one in the AFC South is in. Which would be insane, astronomical, because, like, that's never happened. That's never happened that a division winner has never been in. You know, in a way, I like that. I think, you know, like, because we talked about how bad the Buccaneers have been all year. Let's jump to the NFC side for a sec. We talked about how, like, bad the Bucks have been all year. Yeah, they had a good game last week against the Panthers. But, like... Three-fourths of the year, they did not look like a playoff team, and they should not have been a playoff team. And, you know, like, that's, like, if you look at the end, would they do that for both sides? Or would that just be for the AFC? Because I feel like if you do it for the AFC, you've got to do do it it for one side. I feel like you have to do it for the other. If you're talking about the having eight teams in and skipping the first round by, I could see you doing that on one side. Like, hey, just for the AFC sake, since the uh, games are a little off seating, since the seating is going to be a little weird, we're not going to do the first round by because we don't know who rightfully earned it. We're going to play everybody in a game. It'll be kind of like a play-in game type of deal, and boom, that'll be that. The NFC side could stay normal because nothing was altered over there. But if you're going off of strict win percentages, you can't do that on solely one side and not on the other because that changes the entire scheme of how you're running your playoffs in the first place. So that has to be adjusted. But, and you know, like, and a part of me thinks that's not really fair either, like this whole win percentage at the end of the year because, like, there's a lot of teams that gave, like, they're like, well, we're not going to win the division, and they might not have given up per se, but they they definitely stopped playing as hard as they could. Uh, I don't, I don't like the win. I don't like going straight off win percentage just because it feels too similar to – college football playoff rankings. I've never been a fan of the whole playoff rankings. I've always thought this is the re I don't see the point of having conferences when they have nothing to do with setting up your playoff. Like, why is there a conference then? What and does I it agree. matter if like, conference winners don't go to the, you know, do you just, uh, eliminate, uh, conferences at that point or like not conferences, but do you just like, if this is like a thing moving forward and it's just not a one-time thing, do you re- uh, like remove the NFC North and the AFC North and you know, and do you just have like the AFC and the NFC at that point? I would, I would at that rate. I mean, yeah, for the, the NFL sake, if that's how you're going to do it and you're going to get rid of the divisions or you're going to get rid of 
the divisions mattering, I should say, if it's all just win percentage, yeah, just have your AFC, have your NFC, and boom. Like, I still want the Super Bowl between, you know, the best on this side and the best on this side, but other than that, the divisions wouldn't matter anymore at that yes. point. So just off with them. Who cares? I agree. Um, I was listening to NFL Network this morning, and they stated that if they do do this percentage situation and they do do this, uh, the Packers have more conference wins in the NFC than either the Lions or the Seahawks. And if they beat the Lions, which would pretty much eliminate the Packers would be, and the Seahawks lose to the Rams, Packers would be in, and then it would be the Seahawks, unfortunately. So the way it stands right now, all three of those teams are 8-8. Eight and eight. Seahawks are currently in, and the Lions and Packers are both sitting out, and either one of them has to win. Lions or Packers are playing each other, so one of them's coming out with a win. And if the Seahawks lose... Whoever wins that, they're they're bumping up. Yep. Yeah, if the Seahawks lose against the Rams in Week 18, yeah, Lion, whoever's the winner of Lions-Packers, which they move that to Sunday night football, which I'm excited for because that'll be a good Sunday night game. Um, but, yeah, uh, if the Seahawks win at the 4 o'clock standpoint, like, you know, that game doesn't even matter yeah. at the end of the day. That game doesn't even matter because they're not going. Unless they move to the win percentage, then it still matters. So, you know, I think what I uh, saw, uh, listened to on NFL Network, they stated that if they move to the win percentage, the Packers will, and they beat the Lions, the, and the Seahawks beat the Rams, the Packers have more uh, NFC wins, and that would be the second tiebreaker, essentially, over win yeah. percentage. So we could see the Packers in the playoffs if they do that, even if the Seahawks win, unfortunately, which would suck. Well, and even at that rate, like you're saying, there's still the question of the Bucks. Like right. the Bucks are eight and eight as well. If they lose and the Seahawks and Lions and or Packers win, there's two teams that are nine and eight, and the Bucks would be eight and nine, and they're gonna get dropped out if there's yeah. no divisions. One thing I do like about the win percentage that they moved on in the future years about it is it would eliminate resting starters at the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, like week 18, week 17, there would be no team resting a starter unless you guys were the Eagles at 13 or 3, you know, or something like that. But even then, if they lost, the 49ers could take that number one spot, you know? So, like, uh, like even then, I'd, it would eliminate resting starters, which would make the whole season fun. Yeah, so, it'd, make it, it'd make it a little more, like, okay, you can't be the straight-up division winner and just coast on in from here on out. You got to keep playing for it. You got to keep earning it. For sure. But, yeah, no, um, it's interesting. I guess we'll hear what NFL is going to do because they don't have much time to decide. Yeah, they have to have an answer soon. They got to get the ball rolling quick with that. They got to figure it out. But moving on into our NFL team, We'll go into Bear Central a little bit here. Uh, Bears played the Lions. They lost again. Unfortunately, instead of losing by one point this time, they lost by 31 points. <laughs> um, when I mentioned teams that, you know, gave up at the end of the year, um, we are one of them. And... Justin Fields regressed in the last two weeks again, which, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we don't have talent around him, so, you know, put an asterisk by it, you know, asterisk by it because, like, we don't know, you know, like, but at the end of the day, like, there is a part of me, like, and it's a very, very small part that thinks, like, a 1% part that Justin Fields might never grow as a passer. Like, we've seen him grow, but he might never grow into an elite passer. And I don't know if that's just me seeing him the last couple of weeks regress. I love Justin Fields. Don't I, get me you can't wrong. take you can't take the past couple of weeks in any sort of consideration. Like at this We're point, dead. I mean, 
Look at our. We play the Vikings next. I'm. We're, I'm just gonna do a whole Bear Central. I ain't even gonna break it down. This game, the next game, whatever. We're playing the Vikings next. Um, they're not even playing Justin Fields. They're playing Nathan Peterman. Yeah. Nothing to do because of how Fields is performing. It's because the he Bears hurt. know that they're playing for nothing right now. Fields has known the past few weeks that even with wins, like what are you winning? A worse draft pick. And like he, his heart's, I mean, I'm sure his heart is in it to some degree, but somewhere mentally, you can't just take a pounding like this all year and play that very last game. Like, oh, I'm going to play my best game this year right now, right here. Because what's the point? Why? Why do it? Yeah, no, and I agree, man. Like, um, we're going to get, even though the Vikings are frauds and we all saw it last week, uh, when uh, the Packers dem- dismantled them, uh, I just think we're dead. We're done. Uh, we are. Well, like we, well, and we've been dead and we've been done. But we're just we're not playing for anything. So yeah, start Nathan Peterman. Let him throw five picks. Let's lose by thirty-five and roll into the off season and hope we can do something different. Cause... What would you say if Peterman beat the Vikings? What would you say? If the game was tied up and we got five minutes in the fourth or something like that with the ball, or let's even go just a minute 30 or something in the fourth. I know Justin Fields hasn't necessarily been great on his uh, game-finishing two-minute type scenarios this year, but if you have a chance to win this in the last minute 30, do you maybe think about throwing Fields in just for... Hey, go finish a two-minute drive. Um, no, because Fields is uh, inactive for the game, so he won't uh, even be in. Uh, yeah, dressed. he won't even be dressed for the game. So, uh, yeah, there's no, there's no shot of that. But I understand where you're coming from, and yeah, you know, maybe. I mean, but if Nathan Peterman's had a decent game, why don't you keep the hot hand in? We talk well, about well, yeah. well. I said the game was tied. That okay. does not mean he had a decent game. It can let's be 3-3. Three, three. Okay, let's say it's tied 3-3. Three, three. Yeah, throw Justin in. Let's see if he can break off an 80-yard run because that's what he's good at, at least right now. Um, but, yeah, no, it's uh, – yeah, there's not much we can say about the Bears. There is one thing. If the Texans beat the Colts week 18, we do have the number one pick. So, let's hope – Let's let's go Texans. Go let's Texans. Go. Yeah. How ironic would it be if Lovey Smith, our old coach, helps us out one more time? Because he was a great coach for us in the 2000s. I know it's a long time ago, but how great would it be if Lovey Smith's like, "Yeah, let's go Chicago." Be like, be like, "Yeah, the the real reason I wanted to really ball out in this game is uh I had to give Chicago that number one pick. <laughs> like, yep. yeah, let's do it's it. It's like, let's go. But, uh, yeah, no. Um, but at the same time, like, it would be great because we'd get so much capital, draft capital, if we traded down and we got the number one pick. But, and then this will never happen, but this is me playing in Bizarro World. Um, do you think, like, if we got the number one pick and Justin, like, yeah, he's progressed, uh, do we take C.J. Stroud or not C.J. Stroud, but do we take Bryce Young, number one? No. I don't think so either. No, we, I, have, a franchise, we have a franchise quarterback. We absolutely don't need it. Um, I, I agree. If they, yeah. do, if they do, that's the silliest move ever, ever. Like you said, we could easily get rid of that first pick for like three other picks. And even that late in the draft, you can find really solid linemen. You can find really solid like special team some decent receivers even still like we i we don't need it me neither yeah i i i I don't think we need it to i still have faith in justin i love justin like i i still have faith you know there's just that one percent there you know and i think that's every time like any starting quarterback unless you have like a patrick mahomes josh allen or even jalen hurts now like if you have like one of those type of guys then you're like, oh, no, no, we never need a quarterback. But if you got a borderline guy, then it's like, well, maybe, yeah. But not really. It's like, uh, just, eh. But yeah. quarterback competition is good and all, but a part of me also thinks 
it's not great to have two very young, very fret. Like if we had a Bryce Young and a Justin Fields on the same team, compete like that just feels like chaos to me. You know, we don't have a guy that we're putting all our faith in and sticking with. There's, there's just a constant, like back and forth. We would see it by the week. Like, Oh, Bryce Young is starting this week. Oh, he has like slightly less stats. Okay. Justin Fields the next week. And they're going to be so compatible. And one of them's not going to be like obviously aged out before the other one comes in or anything. I just think it creates too much chaos on a team. There's one thing I wanted to mention, and uh, there's a lot of potential rumored trades that have been popping up a lot. And one that I won't mention all, but I'll just mention one that I think is so intriguing because I want to get like a number one wide receiver for Justin Fields. Yeah. And one trade that I've seen pop up so much is Devontae Adams because Derek Carr got benched. Derek Carr, uh, Devontae went to Las Vegas for Derek Carr. They're moving on. The Raiders are moving on from Derek Carr this year. He's going to be on a different team. And if we have that number one or number two, the Raiders, trade us Devontae. Give us your first round pick. We'll give you our second. And draft whoever's available, C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. Because as of right now, it'll be number one, number two. Because Texans, they'll draft whoever. It, like, they'll draft Bryce Young or they'll draft C.J. Stroud, whoever's left available. I know that. Yeah. Texans need a quarterback. But if you're the Raiders, and the Raiders are known for making big trades with Chicago in the past, with Khalil Mack trade. Well, so trade us Devontae. Come on. Give us, give us Justin Fields' number one receiver. That would be... A very very awesome move. If we had Devonte, that would be that would be a game changer right there. We'd have Mooney, Devonte, and I don't even know in the third spot. So many different guys on our roster right now. I feel like could be in that third spot. And Chase Claypool of, maybe. Eh. Yeah, but Claypool, Camille Harry, like literally all of them could kind of just be like, Brown. rotating. They could all rotate there. Right. But, like yeah. you're gonna rotate receivers anyway. So like, yeah, keep them rotating. But if we well, had Devonte, that would be huge. And you know Ryan Poles, he's shown that he knows how to build a team so far. Last offseason, he did a really good job. Jaquan Brisker and Kyler Gordon, when they were on the field this year, they were incredible, and both of them were. Uh, so I think you know they've done a really solid job. And you know if you can, it would be a similar situation to what the Buffalo Bills did about four years ago for Josh Allen. Josh Allen did not have a number one receiver, and they traded their first-round pick for Stephon Diggs. And Josh Allen's career took off. once. And they're best friends. And I would love Devontae Adams in Chicago. It would be incredible because, it's one, it's Devontae Adams. Two, it's a wide receiver that we really need. And just not a regular wide receiver, an X-Factor receiver. And three, he's a former Packer. And we can say, I was, you. I was waiting for you to bring that one up. And we can say every time Chicago plays and Justin performs and he progresses even more and more with that true number one, and Devontae is catching touchdowns, we can say, yeah, Green Bay, fuck you guys. Part of my language. But, like, yeah, man, that would be incredible. It would be really I would, incredible. I would love it. I think that would be a really good move for us. But, um, Moving on here from NFL talk, let's get into some college talk here. Uh, It's bowl season, as everybody knows. We had not only the playoffs going on, but a bunch of other bowl games that, I don't know, are there any specific bowls that are not the college football playoffs that you want to talk about? Yeah, uh, the only one is Tulane versus USC. Uh, Tulane came and upset Caleb Williams himself, Mr. F. Utah. Tulane, of all people. Tulane. How did this man man win the Heisman? You're gonna lose. You're gonna lose your conference championship and then back it up by losing your bowl game. Heisman, my ass. Max Duggan, you earned that shit. I I agree one thousand percent. But yeah, Tulane Green Wave. Um. It happened on New Year's Day, and they were down, actually, they were down 41 to 30, 40, uh, 45 to 30, 
And they came back with five minutes left and won, 48-45. Tulane. And it's so crazy because I saw this demographic that uh, USC spent $50 million on their football program this year. Tulane spent five mil. Five mil. And a five mil team came and out-coached Lincoln Riley, who was supposed to be this amazing coach, which he was at OU. He's coached a lot of good quarterbacks. Jalen Hurt, Baker Mayfield, now Caleb Williams. Kyler Murray, too. But, yeah, man. Like, Tulane, let's go. And, you know, I just like non-Power 5 wins. Like, I like when a non-Power 5 comes out and beats a blue blood. Because, like, yeah, USC, I felt like they had that fraud title all year. And Utah showed it. And then Tulane shows it. So it's kind of cool. There's uh, just one game that I really quick wanted to kind of shout out or whatever. The LSU-Purdue game. Just because I have a pretty big distaste for Purdue. Not even just this year because they uh, played in the championship instead of us, but even just from previous years. I I low-key just, I really don't like Purdue. And so... Watching them get their absolute asses handed. Why would why did they get this bowl game? Why the fuck did Purdue get a bowl game against LSU? Did anyone think they were going to do even reasonably good? They it's, got their asses fucking handed to them. It's because they were technically the runners up of the Big Ten because they made it to the Big Ten championship. But we would have played better against LSU. We would have played better in the Big Ten championship. We would have played better against LSU. Just, Purdue did not deserve half of what they got this season, and I was glad to watch them get absolutely demolished. By the unique thing about Purdue is uh, Drew Brees was the interim coach for this game, and it's kind of funny because, you know, LSU and New Orleans, like, that's their teams. You know, down in Louisiana, those are their two teams. So seeing your longtime quarterback, coaching on the other side against your favorite college team had to be a rough day for a saints fan but at the same time when you destroyed them actually it's probably a great day for a saints fan because yeah yeah, it was uh 63 to 7 man that's insane uh yeah but one one more shout out to a big 10 team uh penn state came out in the rose bowl and they demolished utah we talked about how tough utah was they didn't well, demolish Utah. They won. But they played They played a good game. I know you're not a big Penn State fan. I know you've mentioned it in the past. But, you know, I just, you know, support the conference, even though I didn't support the conference for one game that we'll talk about. Uh, but, yeah, it was, it was kind of cool. Even though I'm not a huge Penn State fan, I think a bigger side of it is just we've mentioned it before. It's, I just kind of like Utah. I fucking yeah, yeah. So I was a little disappointed. I was like, damn it. Come on, Utah. Let's go. Yeah. It, but, yeah, it was a cool game. It was a really cool game. Um, but, yeah, that's the only ones that I got. Uh, of course. Well, ours. I probably shouldn't have thrown into that too soon because uh, first here, we'll get into our college football playoff talks. But first I was going to talk FCS. So, yeah. Uh, FCS, I don't know if you watched these games at all. I think I watched – did I watch both of them or did I just catch one of them? I think I only caught North Dakota versus UIW, Incarnate Word. Um, I might have watched a little bit of the South Dakota game, but I think it. I think I shut that off pretty soon because South, South Dakota State was obviously taking it. But anyway, update on how these games went. North Dakota State versus Incarnate Word. North Dakota actually won 35-32. to 32. A lot closer game than I thought it was going to be, not going to lie. Especially because Incarnate Word was like the seventh seed that just somehow got there. But, damn. Did you, did you catch any of these games? Did you watch FCS at all? No, I didn't, you know, believe it or not. But, yeah, I saw that uh, North Dakota State won. And uh, the only thing I got on North Dakota State, they're such a powerhouse in FCS. They've been a powerhouse for years. Um, but it's it's kind of it's kind of crazy. But, yeah, it's good games. Yeah, and South Dakota State versus Montana State. Obviously, South Dakota State won 39-18, so a lot less of a game. That one South Dakota State pretty much had in hand. So – the championship, as we kind of predicted last time, 
We got North Dakota versus South Dakota. Played January 8th at 1 o'clock Central. Um, yeah. Who do, you, who do you think's winning this one? Between the Dakotas, who do you got? I need South Dakota State, so our win, 7-3, to three, looks a lot more respectable. So <laughs> I need South Dakota State to pull this off. But I do like I do like the Bison. I love North Dakota State, and I love their coaching, and I just love that team. Um, I saw this. Well, who do you got before I move on for this? I like South Dakota State. Just I, ha- I did watch some of both of these games. Um, North Dakota State. I forget if it was this game or if it was the game before. I just I don't know how they won it. They were not throwing the ball whatsoever. They were just running all day. And the other team just, for the life of them, was not stopping. Their, I'm like, when a team is so one-dimensional like that and they're just running and running and running at you, you just got one thing to worry about. Stop the fucking run. I don't understand how they won the game. That they, I don't know if it was this game or the game before, like I said. But I just don't know how they won it. I'm like, dude, you can't stop a team from getting like a thousand yards on you. And it's like, this is just embarrassing for you. How are you in the playoffs right now? But South Dakota State, I I think they look like a top-notch team. Same for your reasoning there. If we won seven to three against the FCS champions, I think if anything that shows that we are definitely better than FCS, like as a school we deserve to be in fbs maybe not necessarily power five we do but at least that really dictates like hey nah we beat them we deserve where we're at yeah um speaking of north dakota state um there's been a lot of rumors circling uh so fbs the re you know how we've always talked about why is north dakota state and south dakota state not fbs yet why are they not fbs yet well NCAA FBS, they had this regulation that if their stadium was 15,000 seats or smaller, they could not play FBS football. They just revoked that this year. And the Mountain West has reached out to North Dakota State, and they will be making a decision at the end of the year if they're going to move to the FBS level. Not South Dakota State, unfortunately, but North Dakota State has been more of a powerhouse. South Dakota State's finally coming on the scene as of the last couple of years. But North Dakota State Bison could be an FBS program by 2025 in the Mountain West. I wonder if this is going to start getting into a little more. If we're starting to knock down some walls and make some changes, that I feel like this only puts us closer toward what we've talked about before of having kind of a relegation and a promotion system where – the lowest teams of the low in I would I see it as three levels. I see it as three different levels. Not that it matters too much for the first two. But you have the power five, the non-power five, and then FCS. And obviously FCS way bigger than the first two, power five, non-power. So do that as you will. Maybe you just do FBS and FCS as two different things, but the bottom, like, two or three teams in the FBS would go down to FCS for a year, or at least a year. And the, like, probably just two teams, I would see the FCS winners and the runners-up would be promoted into FBS play. And that way you kind of, like you said, you kind of nullify things like North Dakota State always being a powerhouse and winning it every year. Like, why are they in our division? Get them out of here, get them up, whatever. And then you get teams like, uh, I can't even think of some of the worst of the worst teams in uh, FBS. Cause I, Nevada. Nevada, yeah. Are they? Nevada. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. As I said, I wouldn't even know teams like that because uh, typically they're not going to be in the Power Five if I'm watching them. But, yeah, so Nevada, teams like that, they would be lower and maybe could be more successful. And I you would like think – you would think that the same teams would probably just be flip-flopping like every other year, but I don't know. We, we've seen a lot of FCS games, and they beat some FBS teams. Like They have some chances to actually not be the worst of the worst, you know, playing FBS. I mean, even if you look at South Dakota State versus Iowa, Iowa's a power five, so they're like a high-level 
FBS. You move South Dakota State into, like you were saying, like maybe the Mountain West. I think they're mid-pack there. Yeah, uh, you know, and Boise State made this about 15, 20 years ago, and look at them. They moved from the FCS team to, like, this competitive team as a non-Power 5. And that's another team that, you know, would probably be considered to move up to a Power 5 if you did that three-team regulation uh, relegation. So I think that's really a cool, like, atmosphere, and it would really change college football Definitely. for the better. Definitely. I would love to see it. But speaking of FCS and FBS, let's get into our FBS not quite the championship or the playoffs yet, but uh, Iowa versus Kentucky, Music City Bowl. We shut them out. First of all, we had a lot more guys playing that I did not think we were going to play. I did not think we were going to have Laporta, Riley Moss, uh, Jack Campbell. I thought all those guys would just be opted out, done, whatever. But that that's the thing with some, some of these guys, kind of like Tyler Linderbaum last year. Some of them just truly do have that school and team spirit of, no, I got one more game, regardless of how our season was, I got one game left to play with my team. And they did it. They showed up. They played 21-0 against Kentucky. Awesome rematch after last year. Uh, MVP of the game, Cooper DeGene. Yeah. Pick six, like he's done all year. Uh, Two, wasn't it? Or uh, uh, Iowa had two. Degino. Iowa had two. Um, it was a young freshman, forgot his name, that was playing and replaced a carry on yep. May, uh, Mary Merriweather, yep. uh, Kayvon Merriweather, uh, that had the other. So that was exciting to see his replacement no, had a pick. That was another thing too. If you break this game down into three teams, the Iowa defense, the Iowa offense, and then Kentucky, the Iowa defense won this game. 14 to 7 to 0. Yeah, no. And, you know, Iowa had their one offensive touchdown drive. They always do. One yeah. one week. They always have that one drive. Um, Labus didn't look bad. Um, I liked him. I, he should have been playing all year, if you ask me. I thought he looked pretty good for just coming in randomly, just one game. I thought it looked great. It was kind of cool because. Uh, I don't know if you remember Deuce Hogan. He was our third-string quarterback last year. He got into the game for Kentucky at the end of the game. Mm. And so that was kind of cool, like, if you want to talk about revenge. I thought that was Padilla. Padilla came in at the end of the game last year against Kentucky. No, no. So I'm talking about Kentucky this year. Kentucky's quarterback, Deuce Hogan, transferred from Iowa to Kentucky, and they turned to him in the fourth quarter. And that was interesting to see. Um, but he still sucked. So there's a good reason why he left Iowa city. Um, but yeah, no, uh, defense played lights out like they have all year. Um, man, I'm really going to miss Jack Campbell. And there's a couple of things that, um, Lucas Van Ness that we were thinking we were going to keep. He declared for the draft as a junior. So we're looking, we're losing Lucas Van Ness. We're losing. I can't blame him. He, I can't I mean, half the team, half the defense around him is going. You got to quite like, he's thinking, I'm not going to have any of a better season next season, at least not from a team perspective. Like, I'm not going to be able to pad my stats with, you know, these bozo freshmen around me or anything. So, I, yeah, I can't blame him for being like, you know what, I'm, I'm taking what I'm at now. Just get me playing somewhere. Yeah, and, you know, I can't either. You know, let him go to the draft. He'll probably be a second-round pick. If he would have stayed his senior year, probably a first. But, you know, I get it. I get him in. Like, I think we'll have a decent year next year, though, with Cade McNamara. But, yeah, no, um, so Lucas Van Ness, he is now moving on. And uh, we also, some other Iowa football transfer uh, we're getting a quarterback, Deacon Hill, from Wisconsin. Four-star quarterback transferring. He's only a sophomore. Okay. So I don't know. Like, yeah, Labus played well. But what I think is going to happen is Labus will be the backup quarterback next year for yeah. Iowa. Cade McNamara will start. And then we will redshirt Deacon Hill. 
and he'll be a sophomore redshirt, and then open up a quarterback battle for Labus and Deacon Hill and see who can win it after Cade leaves. Because, you know, like, I'm excited. We got two quarterbacks and out of the transfer portal, which, you know, like, I was talking to a buddy of mine, and I think it's kind of unreal because, like, who wants to come play for Brian Ferentz as the offensive coordinator? Right. I don't. I if I was a quarterback, offensive skill position, there is no way I would want to play for Brian Ferentz. Yeah, and kind of contradictory to what I said, like with NFL, like two similar quarterbacks. I think you need a little bit of that in college. In college, you need a couple of guys kind of keeping each other on their toes out there playing and whatnot, because it's it's a different animal, you know. Like you're not out there for however many years blah 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 like this is like you got four years you're in there to make the most of it like everybody's going to be overlapping each other you're not getting the obvious guys out with some different guys in there's only going to be a two or three year difference between them if that i think a little bit of quarterback competition at the college level is helpful to having a really solid quarterback because they know someone's going to be on their heels and they know they better step up and play yeah. Uh, also, Terry Roberts that entered the transfer portal, our other corner across from Riley Moss, he withdrew his name from their transfer portal, and he's coming back to Iowa City. So thank God because he entered his name, and I was worried because we were losing Riley Moss and Merriweather. We need someone on that defense to and stay. I was like, Terry, please don't leave because our secondary needs you. Because, of course, we got Cooper. Of course, but like, sure. like Terry, he was a starter for us last year, all year. Like we needed him to stay, and he withdrew his name. He's coming back to Iowa City. So those are the two big, you know. Like even though Terry was on our team last year, like at the end of the day, like I considered him gone when he entered the transfer portal. But he probably snooped around and realized, you know, I was gonna be the best spot for me to get recognized. And as much as we talk about Iowa and like they're not a great team or anything and you know, playing under Brian Ferentz and all that, defensively, if you're a defensive player, Iowa should be one of your luxury schools. If you can <laughs> if you can start on the defense at Iowa, I think that's where you wanna be. We have one of the better defensive teams in college football. You're you might not you might still prefer somewhere like Georgia, who also has a very top-notch defense, but also a capable offense that you know you're going to win games, win your bowl, go to the championships, whatever. But still, as a defensive player, I think you want to be at Iowa and be a part of that defensive culture. For sure. You know, defense, of course, and tight end position and offensive line. Um, I am very frustrated with Caden Proctor. Five-star out of Des Moines. I know we've mentioned this. Goes to Alabama. I get it. I get it. Alabama, powerhouse. You could win a championship there. But, man, you would have came in as a five-star, and you would have started day one. And our offensive line needed it. And so that that hurt. That hurts a lot. I hate I hate that you can just decommit. Like, what what's the point of a commitment? A commitment's not a commitment if you can just decommit. Like, I, it's stupid. For sure. But let's get into our playoff talk a little bit then, since we're running a little low on time here. First things first, we had Michigan versus TCU in the Fiesta Bowl. Holy crap, what a game. (laughs) I don't know if anyone expected the over-under to nearly hit 100 points, but (laughs) this game, TCU actually pulled off the upset. Go Max Duggan, should have been the Heisman. Um, 51 to 45. Unreal. That's the word I have. Unreal. Um, you know what's cool about TCU? One, I love their coach's name. Sonny Dykes. Great name. It, it just screams out head coach. Like, Sonny Dykes. But, uh, Sonny Dykes had them boys playing. That defense, like, I would not call TCU's defense good because they gave up 45 points. Of course, but they're Michigan oper- though. They're oper- I mean. They're they're really good. Like they're really good at making uh, the other opposing quarterback making mistakes. Yeah. Uh, and I really love that because like that defense started off with that pick six, 
Like, oh my god. And then TCU went up 21 to 6, right? Tw- yeah, 21 to 6. And for one, I was like I was like this is not going to last. And it didn't, of course. Michigan slowly came back. But one thing TCU did great and this is Sunny Dykes deserves all the credit in the world. They he made Michigan play their type of game. Yes. TCU- that's what I was just that's what I was just going to say. I know the announcers talked about it during the game a little bit, but TCU really, really took control of that speed of game and everything. They made Michigan play their game, and that's what you got to do to win games. And Michigan did start coming back. I was a little bit worried when I noticed Michigan starting to, you know, closen up that score, shorten that lead a little bit. But one thing TCU was super, super successful with was they kept up with Michigan. They let them creep back in a little bit, but they did not give up the lead. They they outscored Michigan still. They held on to that lead, and they stayed on top. They didn't actually let Michigan overtake them at any point. So, yeah, that's Max Duggan. And, you know, the leadership of Max Duggan is unreal. The leadership of Max Duggan is unreal. That man does not quiver. Under pressure, like, there was a couple of touchdowns in that game that Michigan just came back and scored, and it was like third and 11, and Max Duggan just threw overthrew his receiver by 10 yards. He has some accuracy issues. But he stands in the pocket, and he unloads a strike, and Quentin Johnson takes it 80 yards for a touchdown. It was just incredible. Like, the way he just stays in the pocket, or even when he's not staying in the pocket, pocket this man's tough as nails this man is probably one of the toughest quarterbacks i've ever seen play because mad mad props to max duggan definitely deserves to be in the college football championships should have been the heisman if you ask me i know we've talked about that but getting into the other game we had georgia versus ohio state the peach bowl um this was actually another really really good game i don't think we've ever had two semifinal games that were this good 42 to 41 georgia sadly ohio state they almost did not the opposite of tcu but they almost pulled a tcu but just couldn't manage to stay on top they took the lead they had a decent lead they were doing things right just like tcu was early in the game against michigan but ohio state just couldn't hold on to it yeah, and no fault to C.J. Stroud. He had an incredible game. C.J. Stroud balled out. He left. He might have made himself a number one draft pick, um, but like the number one overall draft pick. But like, yeah, like you mentioned, Ohio State. Um, they tried to do what TCU did, and you know, I was really excited because I was like, okay, because I want TCU to win it all. I know Big Ten, blah blah blah. I like Max Duggan. He's ten minutes from my house. Like, I, I enjoy that. Like, I just love that story, and I want TCU to win it all. Cinderella. Um, but I thought TCU would have a better shot against in the championship than Georgia. But, yeah, no. Uh, and yeah. then Ruggles, their kicker, is a joke, man. That That is what lot, like you said, you can't blame it on. No, you can't blame it on Stroud whatsoever. The, it Like I said, it was 42 to 41. And in case y'all don't didn't know, this game ended at midnight Eastern time, at midnight on the dot with the missed field goal hitting the ground right as the ball dropped. Yep, and it's just that's a cool fun fact. Yeah, like that's just really cool. Uh, but yeah, the one thing that pissed me off with Ruggles, I know he's done it all year, but every time he kicks a field goal, he waves, and he did it. He waved. Even when you missed the game-winning field goal, man. And it's no. not like it's not like he was a foot to the left or the right, or it's not like he was just outside the yards. That shit was nowhere near the end zone. Yeah, man, it was just pathetic uh, on Ruggles' part. But to hang in with Georgia and score forty-one points on Georgia's defense, oh my god, like that's insane, like. Like we said, C.J. Stroud deserves all the credit. Ryan Day deserves a lot of credit. Uh, Ryan Day, I know there's been a lot of question marks about Ryan Day's coaching. Um, 
and that he kind of is just running off the pinstripes of Urban Meyer, which, you know, maybe a little bit, but I think Georgia did not deserve it. I don't think Stetson Bennett is that good. No. He's not that great of a quarterback. Um, He wasn't even the best quarterback on the field, and he won't even be the best quarterback on the field in the championship game. No, not at all. And to go against what I said in previous episodes a little bit, I'm glad Ohio State was in here and not USC because especially after USC losing to Tulane and Ohio State giving Georgia a real good run for their money right here, I I would have loved to see four different conferences in the playoffs, but the game that we would have gotten out of Georgia, USC, that would that would have been a joke. It would have yeah, been a joke. It, it <laughs> 41 to 10. No, well, USC can score, but Georgia, they, Georgia would have put 50 on them. Yeah. It would have been 41 to 24. That, that would have been that would have been the LSU Purdue scenario where you would have fucking 60 to maybe 20 something. Right. Yeah, no, and I agree. Like Ohio State, they deserved it. Like, they did deserve it. It sucks that they couldn't come off with the win because it would have been really cool to see the first time ever a three seed versus a four seed in the national championship. That would have been. Was it you I asked about that? I was like, has it, or it was you or our friend Nick? I was like, has a three and a four seed ever been like in the final game against each other? Like, both of them, not just one of them, have a three and four gone against each other in a championship? Yeah, no, I don't think I don't think they've ever have. Like it, it's incredible, and you know what? This playoffs really got me excited for next year. Even the bowl games got me excited for next year because the expansion playoffs. Tulane was ranked eleventh, by the way, and could they upset a six? You know, and then like teams like Ohio State ranked fourth, they could make it to the national championship with something like that. This. Making it a 12-team playoff is going to be super interesting. I'm so yeah. And, you know, the cool thing about this whole thing is, like, I feel like if TCU can pull off this magical Cinderella story, I think that the Alabamas of the world, especially with the NIL, I hate NIL, but at the same time I don't because I feel like it's making other teams more competitive. And it's dwindling the Alabamas and the Georgias. Of course, Georgia's in the national championship. Give them their flowers, of course. But at the end of the day, TCU could break it. And we could finally see the nonstop Georgia-Alabama every other year, SEC every other year. We can start seeing a breath of fresh air in college football. And with 12 teams in, that that's one thing. It helps negate that big 10 sec mentality how we've talked before like oh power five like no it's a power two you got big 10 and sec that's all that exists that's all that matters that's all there is you get 12 teams in you're gonna have team you're gonna have uh teams from all of those conferences i would imagine i doubt we're gonna have I doubt there's going to be any given conference that's not going to have a single team in yeah. the top 12, and in the power even, five at least. You'll even have non-power five. That's the exactly. exciting part. You'll have non-power fives. Two lanes of non-power five. Look at them go. I just – mad respect. I don't know. It, it was just incredible bowl season, and I know we dwindle on bowl seasons, but for once in our life, I felt like the bowl season was pretty special, at least a couple of them. Yeah, I. To me, it still is what it is. Like it's a bowl. Who can't like LSU? Absolutely dumb. Purdue in the bowl. Super cool. Great. Now nothing. They're not in the playoffs. It True. was just a nothing matter. Whatever. Like cool. You won it. Yeah. Should have. But like. Sure. What and you get it, out of it? Money. And maybe maybe that's why Tulane. I you know I didn't look into it as much because I don't watch USC very often. Maybe they had a lot of their starters that are projected to go in the draft because USC does fairly well in the draft. Uh, maybe a lot of them sat out and they gave Tulane a good advantage. So yeah. who knows? And so that's another thing too. Yeah, it's like especially because even the players know it. If you're not in the championship games. If you're not in the semifinals or the championship game, yeah, players are always sitting. Players are always not what like 
Get rid of bowls. They don't need to happen. They don't need to be there. I'm okay with having a few bowls if you do go to like a 12, 12 team kind of normal playoff style. But outside of that, get rid of bowls. I agree. It don't matter. I but agree. To finish up this episode, championship game Georgia, TCU. January 9th, 6.30 p.m. Central Time. Who do you think's taking this? Georgia, unfortunately. If I want, if you want me to be honest, Georgia, uh, like right. I mentioned before. Let's Ohio, make this more fun. I'm going to look up the actual spread. Because, yeah, I'm, I think Georgia takes it. I think TCU gives them a good shot. I think TCU could give them a little bit of a run for their money, but... Well, you know, and it just, it's dependent on Sonny Dykes and his coaching. 12 and a half. 12 and a half. Yep. Georgia favored 12 and a half. It's a lot. I mean, uh, Michigan was favored eight and a half against TCU. Yep. So, I mean, and look at the score. So, like, any given Saturday, right? What do you think? What do you think? Georgia 12 and a half? No, TCU will cover. TCU will cover. I'm taking that too. I think Georgia wins for sure, but I TCU is gonna they're gonna keep it moderately close. They lose by maybe ten, I think. Thirty-four twenty-seven. Thirty-four twenty-seven. Uh, Georgia wins. Probably it's gonna be tied halfway through the third quarter. Twenty-four twenty-four. Georgia's gonna come out. They're gonna score. They're gonna kick a field goal. They're gonna go up ten. TCU will be able to kick a field goal. They won't be able to convert. That's what I think. 34-27. I mean, I don't know if that's exactly what's going to happen, but yep. that's that's kind of what I think. I I think that's a safe guess. I'm I'm for TCU to cover. I'm for TCU to win. I want TCU to win this game. I just a magic Cinderella story would be incredible. Like uh, you know, people talk about the 2019 LSU Tigers all the time with Joe Burrow and that Cinderella story, but this would be even more of a Cinderella story than the 2019 LSU Tigers. Yeah, so, this would be absolutely amazing right here, and I'm super excited for it. And I can tell everyone's gonna love watching this game. I, I'm gonna be at the coaching convention during this game. I'm sure they're gonna have it on somewhere, be talking about it or whatever. I don't know what exactly I'm gonna be doing at the time, but that'll be interesting to see how available I am to watch this stuff. But uh, we're kind of at our time limit right now, so please, guys. Like and subscribe to us. Rate us on Spotify, all that jazz. Um, Tell us what you think. Give us any thoughts you have on the game coming up. What do you think of TCU, Georgia? Do you think TCU is going to cover? Let us know. Yeah, and thanks for watching, guys. It's been incredible. It's always fun to bring you guys content. Um, So I got a couple words for you here. I got go Hawkeyes. Go Horn Frogs and bear down like always.